From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. It's going to be a good time tonight with the Cricket World Cup kicking off with New Zealand taking on England in our first clash. No Kane Williamson, no Tim Southey, but we are heading north to Ali Martin, wonderful cricket writer for The Guardian and The Observer. Welcome in, Ali. First question, what's the fizz level? What's the excitement level like over there in England town? Uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, <laughs> it's just starting to build up here. You know, I think... Um, uh, I, I probably shouldn't speak for every cricket fan in this country, but I would say that there's a bit of a drop off since the Ashes at the end of July, mm. um, and kind of those. You know, we had some some men's uh, and women's ODIs at the back end of the summer, but really now, yeah, it's World Cup time. Uh, England defending champions, and um, you know, for years growing up, there was never any optimism coming into a World Cup, but uh, ever since 2019, that's changed here. So yeah, um, people are getting pretty excited about it. And I'm going to be breaking the rule a few times, uh, a New Zealand sports rule. Uh, that game in 2019 is now labelled that which shall not be spoken of, but we're sort of forced to. <laughs> we're sort of forced to. I think we're over it. Uh, some people probably aren't. But I wanted to ask you about, um, since the IPL came in, and, and I'll preface this by saying 50 over cricket's my favourite form of cricket, my personal favourite form of cricket. And it's mm-hmm. much more diluted. Um, was the IPL T20 and then all of its cobweb offshoots, all these other leagues all around the world, has that been part of the demise because we just don't have enough days in the year? I think so. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's probably created a bit of the the fixture squeeze there. Um, and fifty over cricket has become a slightly harder sell in some countries. Um, certainly not here in the UK. As the ODIs are still pretty big business. Uh, the grounds love, you know, kind of eight hours of bar taking as opposed to just four um, for a T20. So there's still a place for them here. But um, you are sort of starting to detect a bit of a sort of global shift away from ODI cricket and, and actually some recent chat about whether we should even be playing it bilaterally in between World Cups, uh, maybe just playing it in the year of the World Cup. Um, the only problem with that is I, I don't see that sort of uh, easing any of the pressure on the fixture schedule because if you take one format out, it will just be flooded with another, and I think we all know which one that's going to be, and that's that's T20, which is obviously the big craze. But it does feel like 50 over cricket and the 50 over World Cup. I think there's the case to say that it is still the stage where, you know, the best players in the world do meet. That is the one stage where they meet. You, you, you've still you've got some of your test champions there, and you've obviously got your, your your white ball stars as well. And I think it's the kind of it's the one place where everyone meets. Um, and I, so I still think it's got a place in the calendar in that respect. 
And the reason I like it more is in in a 50-over match, you can have seven or eight pour-overs and still be in the contest, whereas in T20, seven or eight pour-overs and you're done, you're cooked. And so there's no fight back within an innings, that that sort of thing. And I think it takes a lot away of the cricket drama, uh, T20, because you can quite often tell early on um, whether you're in it or not, whereas 50-over, you can mount comebacks within your own innings. That's right. Yeah, there's a, there's, there is a lot more ebb and flow in in the format in that regard, um, and you only have to go back to the game that shall not be mentioned in terms of that because <laughs> um, England looked dead and buried in that run chase, didn't they? And it, it was a you know a, a pretty Herculean effort from Ben Stokes and Josh Butler um, to, to even get England level. Um, obviously, they well they never ever got ahead in the match, did they? Anyway, but we won't go back to that one. But yes, you, you're right. That I mean, it is it does it is the white ball format which has a bit more ebb and flow in it. Um, I like. I personally am a big fan of, of bowling, and, and I quite like seeing bowlers being able to put together a proper spell and, and even come back for a spell as well. Um, I think in, in T20 there's a lot of uh, variations being bowled, etc. But I think actually in 50 over cricket, there's still a place to actually work a batsman over uh, before getting them out, uh, which I like to see personally. I read uh, the article you wrote. Um, sounds like you did an interview with Ben Stokes driving in a car, which is just awesome. He's <laughs> he's one of the most um, lauded, appreciated uh, English sportsmen by New Zealand sports fans. I think I can I can ever remember. Um, he's he's such a special character, isn't he? He he said goodbye to the white ball cricket, and then he's coming back into it now. And, and, and I've written down here, Ben Stokes walks towards pressure. He walks towards challenges and he takes people with him. How valuable is Ben Stokes to this English cricket setup? Oh, I mean, immense. And actually, the, the, the kind of breaking news that you're uh, overnight is that he may actually miss this opening game against New Zealand. Um, he's got a bit of a hip injury. So it looks like uh, it won a piece for the two teams losing a star player and with Kane Williamson not playing as well. But yeah, he is, he is massive. I mean, Totemic uh, is one of the words, talismanic, whichever way you want to say. It's a kind of, it's part of that lineage of English all-rounders, which you go from both them to Flintoff and then to Stokes. Um, obviously, the Kiwis are probably claiming a, a portion of Stokes as well, given his background. But, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, there is that. I mean, there really is that never-say-die attitude about Stokes. And we, even, we saw it evidence even in the, the recent summer. The Ashes summer, um, particularly at Lords, England went on to lose that test, but that 155 he hit in the uh, on the last day will live long in the memory. And I don't think any team will consider England beaten until Stokes is out, um, and that is pretty massive. So fingers crossed they can get him on the park pretty sharpish. Hopefully, just a niggle. That's what Josh Butler's saying. Um, but yes, uh, I think I think when, whenever Stokes is there, hope remains. Uh, the depth of England cricket, I think it's always measured when an international team's picked to go to a World Cup if the if the sporting public are in uproar that someone didn't make it. That, to me, is a testament of the strength of, a, of an international team. Uh, the English cricket team, were there people unlucky? Uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, I mean, I think Jason Roy... Um, I think it's I think it's been quite a mortal blow to him actually. I, I wonder if he'll play for England again because um, he got left out of the 15 at the last minute. He was in the provisional squad, um, a massive part of the campaign in 2019. In fact, England's campaign in 2019 was absolutely uh, careering off the tracks until he came back from injury and really um, you know uh, sort of set it off again. Um, and so 
he's missed out. He has had a couple of pretty quiet years. He missed out on the, the T20 World Cup last year, but he's also a guy that was absolutely instrumental to the revolution in English cricket. But um, a back injury saw him miss the series against New Zealand. David Milan came in and took his chance with a, uh, an absolute avalanche of runs himself. And if you're looking at the bench, uh, you know, Roy was considered left versatile and someone like Harry Brook, who could probably bat anywhere between, you know, one to seven. So where an injury to occur, he's a more useful player to have in the squad. And actually, we're going to see almost instant uh, justification of that decision because we're soaked out, we think, for the opening game against New Zealand. Harry Brook will come in in the middle order, which is something that Jason Roy wouldn't have been able to do. But you're right. Uh, when, you, when a guy like Jason Roy misses out, it does underline that there is a, a fair bit of depth around at the moment. Yeah, and you've got names that we're very, very familiar with. Uh, I mean, we know them all, but the entrenched players in the English cricket set up like Stokes, like Root, um, various bowlers, but Harry Brook, he, I always look in every team and think, who's the guy that can really announce themselves and get an opportunity like he might get in this first game and then be forced to be picked again? Is, is there players amongst this England side that could really rise their stocks in this World Cup? Yeah, and, and he's one of them. And actually, this, this early break from him, could, could, I mean, it could give England a, a massive headache down the line. But I mean, you guys will know the talents of Harry Brook, having seen him uh, in that incredible Wellington test earlier this year, I was lucky enough to be there as well um, uh, when New Zealand uh, pipped it by an absolute whisker. Um, but he made an absolutely incredible century in that first innings. He is considered a you know pretty remarkable talent, and 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 that is that's part of the reason why he's he's made the cut here because he doesn't really have an ODI record to speak of. This is mm. pretty much um, a kind of it's a pretty old and gnarled and grey beard England side, um, probably matched only for a sort of age of experience by the Black Caps, I'd say, but um, England haven't really developed their team massively in the last three years. They, they kind of thought that generation of 2019 would probably be around, and that's proved to be the case. We've got about, I think there's eight survivors from from that squad, nine with Joffrey Archer, you know, just hovering on the fringes, hoping to get a chance as a, as a, as a late injury reserve. He's the only one flying out with the team. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, so someone like Brooke is one of the sort of rare newcomers to this side. Very little ODI form to speak of because England have pretty much deprioritized ODI cricket for the last three and a bit years. But uh, yeah, he's certainly got the talent to, to, to shake it up and, uh, and give England the kind of headache that they enjoy. Uh, home teams often win the Cricket World Cup, the 50 over Cricket World Cup, which you guys did last time as well. You couldn't get more different playing conditions to this year's World Cup though. No, no, and that, but it, it could be quite varied in India. I mean, there's a lot of there's, there's a sort of there's always an assumption with India that it's going to be slow, low turners uh, and low scores. But actually, in recent times, you know, they've developed their fast bowling stocks immensely, um, and they've played on a lot of flat pitches uh, in the IPL. Uh, you know, as in created them for the IPL, and you, and you see some big scores being posted and, and chased down there as well. So, I, I, and the other thing I suppose in the modern era is that, is that there isn't that kind of the mystery about the subcontinent anymore. Most guys that are going out there across all the teams, pretty much, perhaps not Netherlands so much, but have had a lot of experience in India and through the IPL as well. So um, it's, it's, it's not going to be unfamiliar um, territory for, for the touring side. But yeah, you look at the host, incredibly strong, won it on home soil back in 2011. And in fact, the last three World Cups have been won by sides who are hosting it. And to add to that, I think I think you have to go back to '96 for the last time that a team outside the top two in the ODI rankings mm. uh, won the trophy as well. Uh, India are number one at the moment, Pakistan number two. So 
you know, historically, statistically, everything points in India's favour. But obviously, with that comes immense pressure and expectation, and, uh, and no one has it greater than the Indian national side. And before we go, uh, speaking to Ali Martin from The Guardian, uh, do go and read his comments. It's it's very good reading. Good and long, too, Ali, I must say. I do like, it's, it's, it's like, they like short stories rather than newspaper columns, and I do enjoy that. <laughs> I really, I really yeah. want your thoughts on this New Zealand black cap side, and, and, and I'll, I'll say at the start that I'm really concerned about Kane Williamson. It's a horrific injury. He's back early. We've had um, Ian Smith, who's part of our radio station. He's over there commentating. Watched him in the net seat. He doesn't look comfortable. Um, Tim Southey, an absolute war horse for us with, with busted hand. Um, how, how deep, realistically, and I, and I don't care if you say not deep at all, I just want your honest opinion, that the New Zealand one-day cricket team, what do you make of them? Well, I mean, I've, it's funny. I've, I'm looking down who I, who I tip for the semi-finals and I've I actually realised there's an error in my copy. I put Sri Lanka. I meant South Africa. So I've hit Sri Lanka for the semi-finals, <laughs> along with Pakistan, England and India. Um, but every... I mean, the problem with New Zealand, with ever weighing up New Zealand's chances, is if you get this every time, you know, this is the dark horse tag and what have you, they are perennial semi-finalists and finalists in major tournaments. And, you know, as you say, it's, it, it's, it's a squad that's kind of grown up together. There's a huge stack of experience there still. Um, and you'd be pretty stupid, which I clearly am because I didn't put them in there to, to, to rule them out for a semi-final <laughs> spot. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I would say that. I think I think that injury to Williamson is fascinating, isn't it? It's that, to, you know, he's clearly right on the cusp of, 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 of returning, but not ready yet. And that to have that mid-tournament, I just wonder what that does to the squad. And then compounding that, that injury to Tim Saudi, I was amazed. I was at the game where Saudi had the injury the ODI at Lords um, was it dislocated and fractured the right thumb on his bowling hand, mm. and I just thought World Cup over. So for them to stick with him and give him a chance to get himself fit, maybe uh, a couple of weeks into the tournament again seems like a big risk. But I suppose it is a seven-week tournament. There's nine group games. Um, you're trying to win six. You might get away with winning five and getting through on net run rate um, potentially. Um, I don't know. Uh, you, you can never say no with New Zealand, but yeah, I. Like you, I share probably a few of the concerns around a bit of the fitness. Having said that, I, I mean, Trent Bolt will probably settle England tomorrow and all this will be moot and um, we'll have eggs on our face. Yeah. yeah, I think it's probably a testament to, I think there's quite a bit of distance between Tim and Trent and Lockie and our next bowlers and just say, Tim, look, you sit this one out, we've got someone else because we really don't. And I do feel like uh, one day World Cups, anyway, this is our... Mm, do I want to say last chance? This is our best chance we're going to have in the foreseeable future, I think, to really rattle a cage. Well, I mean, yeah, and certainly they're very similar to England. And in the, this is the kind of last dance for, for a generation, um, for this particular generation of players. I think, as you say, probably England have probably got a bit more coming through. Um, but the quality's there. And, I, you know, someone like Devin Conway with that massive amount of IPL experience, I think he's going to be a pretty critical player. Someone like uh, Daryl Mitchell, who's obviously come in since that 2019 World Cup and has, you know, made himself a bit of a rock in that middle order as well. I mean, Glenn Phillips, one of the most electric outfielders in the game. They're going to be all right. I think they'll go all right. Um, yeah, in terms of what's coming through, um, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to see that. There is, I think there's going to be a bit of a, a drop-off generally around the world after this World Cup. I think we'll see a lot of retirement across all the, the major nations, um, partly because of the World Cup cycle and partly because guys will probably want to 
uh, clear out their fixture schedule and, uh, and and get some some of that sweet cash in the T20 league. <laughs> and one last thing, um, and just one thing I picked up in your interview with Ben Stokes, he hates the term baseball. New Zealand love it because mm. it puts uh, it puts our trademark on England's success. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he yeah he just he, he doesn't like it. Him, both him and, and Brendan McCullum uh, both on record saying they don't like it. I think they find it a bit reductive, mm. um, and they think I think they find it a bit of an oversimplification of what they do. Um, I think they're being I, I don't know personally. I would say that it's it, it's a it's a neat little catch-all term. People know what it what it refers to. I don't think anyone's saying that it's just uh, go out there and and whack it. I think it's about taking on all aspects of the game in the most positive attacking manner you can and um, and yeah uh, I'm afraid it's stuck so uh, they're just going to have to deal with it and the great thing is whatever you want to call it it's revitalised test cricket and a very important cricket nation that is England hey Ali uh, fantastic to talk to you your evening our morning um, it's going to be a ripper of a World Cup really appreciate your time chatting to us down in New Zealand today no worries alright cheers take care